With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 12 Ghosts is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind may moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. Quite surprised, Annabelle. But you don't know how you ended up in these woods so very far from home. I was confused. I could have been hit on the head and wandered into the night. I could be dreaming. It could be the wine. The wine does not exist, except in our heads. And, to be quite frank, our heads don't exist. At least, not in the way you're accustomed to them existing. Though that doesn't mean they aren't real. But I expect you're not up for a metaphysical debate at this late hour. Especially since suddenly learning that you're in fact very much not corporeal in the classical sense. I don't believe it. There's very little of existence that we haven't hung our metaphors over. Frankincense and myrrh used for worship and funerary practices, going as far back as written history, given as gifts in the nativity story, precious and rare. Yes, a good gift on its own. But of course we add our layers of allegory to the action. Gold for a king, frankincense to symbolize worship, myrrh to symbolize the sacred act of dying for another. We offer the sense up to the gods in hope that they will be pleased and have mercy on us. I just like the smell. Of course people attach meaning to it. It's deep, heavy, mystical. All that to say, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. We should be expecting our next guest at any moment. Ah, who will it be? 
Welcome, my dear. Come in from the cold. My goodness, you're freezing. Come, we poured wine for you. That would be very nice. Thank you. Where am I? At the end of things. Shh, now. You're safe in a place of rest. Sit. I'm dead, right? Nothing gets past you, does it? I'm not surprised. I saw it coming a mile away. You did? did? You? Tell me, what happened? So this is the original story, or at least the way they told us when we were kids. And the thing you have to understand is Mexican shit changes. It's different, like a whole different story depending on where you lived or who told it to you. There's no one version of anything. And what I learned after everything that happened is it doesn't matter ghosts, monsters, whatever you were told, whatever you believe, they will find you. So the version I was told growing up in West Texas in the late 80s, the version my grandma told us leading up to Christmas Eve, she'd say, be careful on Christmas morning, mija. Because Santa Claus and your mother and father will give you all the presents they can. But you might not get everything you want. And if you cry, boss, if you complain, la bruja del desierto, she'll snatch you up and drag you away to the desert. And she'll fill your mouth with sand so no one will hear you cry no more. And then she just kiss us and put us to bed, <laughs> just like that. It's messed up, but it worked because my family was poor. So our presents every year were scraps, total shit. But did I say one word about it? Get La Bruja into the house to take me away? Psst. You better believe I sat there with a big fake-ass grin on my face and said, Thank you, loud and flat looking over my shoulder, playing with some dollar store Barbie knuckle called Pretty Patty or whatever. Oh, you bet I pretended to love that shit. As I got older, it became clear. La Bruja del Desierto, the desert witch, was just our version of the boogeyman, something to scare kids into behaving, and we already had so many of those. El Cucuy, La Llorona, random spirits and saints, between brujeria and, and being Catholic, we spent like half of our childhood lighting candles and cracking eggs under the bed, dealing with malojo, inviting the priest over to bless the corners of the house. Ghost everywhere, and who cares? It's all make-believe, right? But it's not. It shows up, smelling of roses and rips lives to pieces. After what happened, I've tried to learn about her, La Bruja. But it's hard with all the different stories out there. 
the version my abuela told my brother Joaquin and I. The one most kids heard is that her son pitched a fit on Christmas morning because he didn't get what he'd wanted and he ran away. And she ran off into the desert to find him and died out there. In some versions, she learns to cast spells. Some kids heard she asks the bruja for help and the magic turns on her. Sometimes she gets you because she thinks you're her son. Sometimes she's doing it as revenge for all mothers everywhere. Whichever story you believe, the one constant is in the end. When you break your mother's heart, la bruja is there to take you away. I'll be real. The story of la bruja was always hard for me because I didn't have the best relationship with my mom. We got on okay, but it was cold. I always felt like she was stuck in between. Like she grew up with this idea of what a good little Mexicana girl was supposed to be. How we were supposed to act. But by the time I came up, it wasn't a thing anymore. I didn't want it anyway. She even straight up asked me when I was a little girl if I wanted a quinceañera. And I told her, nah, I wanted a car instead. She tried. And she and my little brother were a unit. But that wasn't us. I know now that 100% that's on me. That I should have been there for my mom after my dad died. I was just mad all the time. I wanted him back. It was hard enough before he died. Because we were dirt poor. I mean, literal dirt. In the middle of nowhere, West Texas. Just... All we knew was these tiny little houses with window AC units fighting for their lives and a highway and, and desert and nothing. Just fucking brown everywhere you look. Nowhere to go. But my dad made the most of it. My dad was the best. And he wasn't even showy about it or anything. He didn't need to show out, spill a million words to you, talk over you. He just kept to himself, so when he did something small like put a hand on your shoulder, it felt like you were getting approval straight from God and the Holy Ghost themselves. <laughs> my mom and I just didn't get each other, oh, but my dad, oh, that shit was locked down. I was daddy's girl. He loved us so much traveled all the way to Fort Wynn to work in some unair conditioned factory six days a week just to put food on the table and by the time he got home he was so tired he'd just sit in his good chair and smile when we came running to him I think he might have been embarrassed about not speaking English too good but they decided not to speak Spanish in the house so we could grow up as real Americans or whatever so he stuck to it He'd use little Spanglish words that felt okay, like, Mijita, I told you to listen to your mother. <laughs> Shit like that. But that was it. I remember everything. Joaquin didn't. He was too young. But I was almost 11 when it happened. I remember everybody all panicked after the phone rang, my mother rushing out to the hospital. 
They never told me exactly what the machine did to him, but the casket was closed. And for years, anytime his name came up, my aunts would cross themselves and say, Pobre Santiago. That was my dad's name, Santiago. Pobre Santiago. And then they'd shake their head. After that, my uh, grandma moved in with us to take care of my brother and I, while my mom started pulling morning and lunch shifts at this diner off I-10, closer to the base. My mom never dated, as far as I knew. I I could tell she was lonely all the time. The family martyr, just going to work and being with us, talking to the pictures on my dad she kept on the table. So all these years pass, and now I'm 14, and that's when my mom comes home with Edgar. I never met anybody like Edgar before. Tall and clean and skinny. Everybody I knew lived rough, but Edgar looked like he'd never been outside. I thought maybe he was Spanish. At first, when he came around, she was always calling him my friend Edgar. But I knew better, and he seemed real nice. But I couldn't help but give him a hard time. Mostly it was small stuff. He'd take his shoes off when he came over, so I'd fill them with bugs and rocks and stuff. He'd try to play catch with us, but I'd just throw the football as hard as I could at his head. And he never made a joke about me not throwing like a girl. But I kept wishing he would so I can go off on him, like I did when he sat in my dad's chair. Weird thing was, every time I did something like that, I'd catch the smell of roses on the wind, hear this pleasant little rattle like castanets or shells clicking against each other. It felt like a reward. Made me want to keep doing it. Joaquin wasn't about that. He loved his new buddy, Edgar. Loved having somebody to play with. Loved getting taken to do stuff because my mom had always been too tired and my grandma had too much to do around the house. I don't think he understood what Edgar was doing there, but he liked having somebody new. So about a year has gone by since we met Edgar and I'm getting used to him being around And now it's Christmas Eve, which was usually when my abuela would be telling us about La Bruja, but we're too old for all that now. And Edgar's there, which feels a little weird. But we do dinner, and we play Loteria with beans on the cards and all that. And later, Edgar takes me outside and he tells me, Ameliana, I know this is your house, and I care about your mother, but I could never replace your father, and I would never try. I know what he meant to you, and I promise you, I will honor his memory no matter what happens. And we shook hands. And just like that, we were cool. So now, it's Christmas Day. We wake up early, and it's just like every year. Pretty Patty, thank you. Socks and pencils, thank you. And then Ed got a rose up. And all of us, even my mom, looked surprised. We didn't think we were going to see Edgar today. But here he comes, dressed all nice, and he gives my abuela a big hug, and he's all excited to see everybody, and gives me and my brother these huge gifts. And mine? I told him a few weeks earlier how I wanted to learn skateboard. So mine is this sweet deck with the trucks all high and everything, pink helmet. But I'm not mad about it. 
and my brother he gets this big hot wheels track with ramsey todo. so he immediately starts opening it and then edgar goes one more present and he moves in front of my mom and he gets down on one knee and he starts in gloria i know it's only been a year but ever since the day i met you at the diner i've blah 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 and at this point i i don't hear nothing just ringing in my ear just just noise and i can feel my heart and my adrenaline starts to go looking at my mom smiling she's starting to cry while edgar pulls out this tiny box and starts to open it and and just as i'm about to say something there's this big crash and we all turn to look because joaquin has thrown his present against the wall as hard as he can before anybody can do anything he's screaming no 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 you're not my father you're not my father and and we're stunned I, i've never seen this kid yelled once in his life but he's hollering and stomping his foot and trying to grab the ring away and edgar's up now keeping the box out of reach trying to laugh it off but but now joaquin is crying and he runs to my grandma while edgar says i told you i told you this was a bad idea and he goes to leave and my mom chases him outside all this yelling my brother hauling with my grandma trying to console him and all i could smell is roses and i feel like i'm gonna pass out we hear edgar drive off and and my mom comes in guns blazing yelling at joaquin what got into you what are you thinking Cassinets, the clicking growing louder in my head and she spins around to where I am and points her finger in my face and say you you're the one who did this you poisoned his mind and she goes running into her room crying with my grandma chasing after her I'm left there with Joaquin and I'm like why did you do that Edgar's a good guy. He's crying and saying, I don't know, I don't know. And and we're both crying at this point. And I'm so worked up. I don't even notice the ground underneath us is shaking. Now there's a rumbling, this huge sound all around us. And all the light bulbs in the house explode all at once. Then the wall, the one facing away from the street into the desert, rips away. It, it, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, but the sun, it's completely gone, clouded over this sandstorm whirling all around us. Joaquin yells for me, I don't know what's happening. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to cry. I just think about my mother and how I wish she would come back and save us. She doesn't save us. Instead, something I can't see snatches up Joaquin and drags him into the desert. I go chasing after them. It's not hard. All I can hear is the sound of my baby brother screaming like he'd never scream in his life. After a while, I can hear they've gone up over this ridge. And when I'm finally able to climb down it, I find them in the clearing. There she is in all her glory. La Bruja del Desierto. She's more horrible than I could have possibly imagined. When we were told the stories, I've always pictured like an old lady, gray hair, long fingernails, and she is that. But then there's a smell. 
the roses, putrid, rotting, overwhelming everything, making me gag, ears filled with the rattling, the cassonettes, chattering nonstop, piercing into my bones, and she's floating, commanding everything around her, her big white eyes glowing with no pupils. And then I saw him floating there in the circle near Joaquin. It was my father. But it wasn't him. It, it, it wasn't a ghost like the way they look so nice and clean in the movies. He looked like my father, but he wasn't complete. All these pieces of him missing his head. I knew it was him. But his head... I heard his voice, loud for the first time, filling the whole night sky. Joaquin mijo, I told you always be a good boy, always mind your mother. It's okay mijo, you did what you could, and now, you can live with us over here in the sands forever. The ground began to rumble again, and the earth underneath La Bruja opened up for them to descend. I cried out, No, take me! It was me! It was me! La Bruja, in an instant, was face to face with me, still holding my brother up. She bared her teeth and hissed back. And these were the only words she spoke the whole time. And just like that, Joaquin and my father and La Bruja disappeared into the earth. And the sand washed over everything like it had never happened. Like it was just as God had left it. I ended up in Virginia. <laughs> Lots of mountains, trees. About as far away as you can get from the desert without falling off into the ocean. You get used to the cold. We told everybody Joaquin ran away from home and they believed us. The police barely looked for him. Then we left. And as far as I could tell, nobody missed us when we were gone. My grandma died shortly after that. Then we lost my mom a few years ago. Cancer sucks. I've got kids of my own now, a boy and a girl. She's starting fourth grade this year. It's crazy. I haven't told anybody what happened. Not even my husband. I just... Hold it in, you know? Keep it here. Nobody else needs it. I feel like if I started talking about it, I never stop. I just keep screaming. But you can't do that. They take you away. And I can't let them take me away. My mom's been dead for years, and I'm still afraid to cross her, still afraid I might break her heart wherever she is. Afraid of whoever's watching from whatever distance, those white, hot eyes. So I'm, I'm 
I'm good to everybody. I'm afraid not to be because I've got to protect the people around me. I light my candles. I look over my shoulder. I'm so tired. It's too much. It's too much to bear. But then I suppose that doesn't matter now. Now that I'm here, I'm so tired of the worry. La Bruja can't get you anymore. Would you like to sleep? Yes, very much. This key belongs to a door up those stairs. Fourth on the left. You'll find everything you need there. Rest now. Thank you. I saw something in your face as you listened to her story just now. What do you mean? What do you think you saw? I'm not sure, but if I were to guess, I would call it a, a recognition. Something struck a chord. There was something that felt familiar to me. Well, perhaps we'll get it out of you before the night ends, yeah? Everything eventually comes to light here. Here at the end of things. Twelve Ghosts, starring Malcolm McDowell as The Innkeeper and Gina Rakiki as Annabelle. Episode 4. La Bruja del Desierto, written by Chris Alonso, with additional writing by Nicholas Tukoski, editing by Chris Childs and Stephen Perez, featuring Laura Lorena Morales as Emiliana. Directed by Nicholas Tukoski, original score and sound design by Chris Childs. Executive producers Aaron Mankey, Matt Frederick, Alexander Williams, and Nicholas Tukoski. Supervising producer Josh Thane. Producers Chris Childs, and Stephen Perez. Casting by Sunday Bowling, CSA, and Meg Mormon, CSA. Production coordinator, Wayna Calderon. Recorded at Lantern Audio in Atlanta, Georgia. Engineered by Chris Gardner. Eros Sound and Recording in Ojai, California. Engineered by Ken Eros. 12 Ghosts was created by Nicholas Tukoski and is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Learn more about the show at GrimAndMild.com and find more podcasts from iHeartRadio by visiting the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Love. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.